Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. Okay, so let me read from NIV here. It says, um, for we know for we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction you know how we lived among you for your sake you became imitators of us and of the Lord for you were welcome for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit and seven and so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archive. Now, what's the Bible saying here? It spoke about how the gospel came. Um, there was this Catholic priest, Francis of Assisi. I don't know if you guys know him. He said something powerful. I need somebody to unpack it for me. He said, preach the gospel all time, if necessary, with words. I don't know if, he do, if anybody, did he hit you? So, any, who is helping us here? Your life. Yeah, he said, preach the gospel at all times, if necessary, with words. What he was actually saying is, every day we live, our life is a speaking testament to the proof of God's existence on earth. That your life, words is actually the least form of expressing gospel. So if you're speaking it and you're shouting it in the mountaintop, but your life is not speaking it, there is a disconnect. And again, he said, and once the gospel was preached, there were three things he mentioned. He said, first of all, we had, it was preached with power. With the Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Now, I want us to pull out a couple of words from that scripture. Let's pull out deep conviction. All right. Now, when the Bible sp speaks of deep conviction, I think they didn't say there are types of conviction, but I think for a conviction means for a conviction to be deep, there's a possibility that there is a conviction that can be shallow. All right, or weak. Other translations will call it strong conviction. So, weak conviction. Look, let me give you an example of somebody that I think did not really have conviction but was very close to Jesus. But before I get into that one, someone told me recently that I'm not a Christian, I'm a disciple, so I'm a disciple of Christ. My brother, is there a difference? No, let's, let's, let's probe into that because I know there, there's actually a, a big movement in town. And you meet some Christians that they've left Christianity as a tag. And they'll tell you, you know, we didn't call ourselves Christians. Those in Antioch gave us that name. And for the most part, it could have been derogatory, they will say. Because say, these guys are Christ-like. Now, in all honesty, that's a false dichotomy. Disciple or Christianity, it still points back to think Christ, one person. And even if Christ did not invent the word Christianity, what he meant was that the life of the disciples would speak of him. And Christianity was actually also referring to Christ. So don't be caught in all the false arguments. Disciple, or just tell them the same. Bye. Like, don't be drawn into all of those things because there's argument all over town about what to believe or what not to believe. But Judas was, back to this, Judas was a guy that I didn't think had a conviction. Alright, think about it. He spends the most time with Jesus and yet he couldn't hesitate to give him a kiss that could betray him. See, the point is, what was playing out? How can you be so close to Christ and yet there was no conviction rooted inside of you? So, I need that board because there's a circle in my head that I want to capture. So, let's keep it here conviction shallow conviction and he spoke about it he said you guys saw us and tried to imitate us because one thing about conviction is when people see your life living out a conviction they'll be attracted to you 
Now, if you carry conviction, there are, I, I will talk about the nature of conviction. One of the things that I think is the... So if you have to title today's sermon, title it what? Deep Conviction. Alright? Give it that title. You guys should start learning to write it, right? One of these will do a test. But Deep Conviction is what I want us to title it. Now, he said something. One of the very nature of conviction is that conviction is something that you cannot conceal. It is always revealed in your conversation and in your crisis. So your conviction, you cannot conceal it. It's not something you can pretend to have. Can you look for the smaller one? That one is big. Oh, are you serious? Now, we have to rethink that idea for board. All right, so track with me, guys. At the end of the day, one of the major, one of the most important aspects of conviction is if you strongly believe in something, honestly, you cannot conceal it. It will always be revealed in your conversation. And if you go through crisis, the crisis will dial up your convictions. So, for instance, if you are sick, you know, and as, as a tribe, we believe in words, we believe in healing. But in your own personal conviction, you have not entered into a revelation of God as a healer. Once you are... This is not the plan. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll do it very quickly, yeah? And then we can take it out. So, it doesn't... This is what I want us to see. Whether it is personal conviction or conviction as a church, I want us to think of conviction as a, as a concentric circle. All right? I'll give it three layers. So, I'll do this. I'll say, this is the first layer of conviction. I'll do this, and I'll do this. Now, I'll call this place the core. I'll call this place community. And I'll call this place culture. Now, at every point in time, whether it is your personal conviction or as a community or as a church, this is the continuum. There is a core. It flows from here into this place. Now, what is the core of your conviction? My point. And then you come into community. You can, some people, their own is arranged like this. Their own is culture first. They now have community. And then Christ. In fact, you know why it is difficult? Christ is not a part of our life. We don't remove it in the morning and wear it in the evening. It's the core. So life flows from here. And yeah, it's, this is who you are at the core. And it flows from here to this place. That means your worldview must be rooted in Christ. This is your core. And if you have any disconnect from here. I'll take you through a couple of scriptures to show you a few things. But the point is, if you flow from here to here, you would always have, like, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. So the first, the first definition of your life, your real conviction, is found in the person of Christ. Because why? When God called us to walk in, in, in you know what he said? Christ is not an example just of us. He's also for us. As he is in this world, so are we. So in a sense, our conviction must imitate the convictions of Christ. Like, in Christianity, we are not supposed to be editing which parts we believe, which parts we don't. We just look at Christ, and Christ has become what? The basis of our conviction. And how does this work? Intimacy through the Holy Spirit. So, I can tell you for a fact that the, Holy Spirit, the intimacy with the Holy Spirit is actually, He doesn't just convict you of sin, that even in your work with God, He's building conviction in you, helping you believe the right things, and helping you unlearning the things you don't need to learn. So, let's, let's stay here for a second. Community culture. Community, for instance, as if you're part of a family or a tribe, there are kind of there are some convictions that you would have by virtue of being Igbo. There are some convictions that would come into your life by virtue of being Yoruba. 
And if you're not deliberate about them, some of them can sneak in and even become lethal. And everything you're hearing about God, if, for instance, you're from Ijebu, you know what they think about Ijebu? I don't believe in all those bar labels, but they'll tell you that a Ijebu man is not that generous. So if you believe that your Ijebu means you're prudent, but you're prudent to the point of stingy, so you won't, you will, you, you will just not understand. But when they come and teach generosity, you will change ten church because they talked on giving. At that point in time, the problem is not the church. In as much as sometimes people talk about it, your conviction is in crisis. So first of all, the nature of conviction cannot be concealed. It will be revealed in your conversations and in crisis. The second thing about conviction is that conviction is not static. It is dynamic. Which means what you believe was a product of all that you have acquired over time. And it is still in the process of evolving. So your conviction is not static. That's why you see some people, they, they, they never used to speak in tongues. But now they do. And you meet some people, they say, I used to. Like there was, there was a friend of ours that changed, um, he changed denomination. And this new denomination of his, they don't do church on Sundays. They believe different things. And the last time I saw him, you know what I was saying? I was blind. But I can now see so in his own mind, he has gained sight, you understand, um, at the end of the day. But on this side of our conviction, but I was going to up. So the point is, conviction is not static, it is dynamic. And what it means is, as you interact with the word, your conviction is being shaped and formed. As you walk with the Holy Spirit, your conviction is taking on new nature. And that's what Romans 12, 2 referred to when it says, renew your mind. It's because why? Your mind is also a strong part of your conviction. Your mind is also a strong part of your conviction. If it's not shaped by the word of God, you will leave out some of you know the truth. Some people think they're leaving out the word, but honestly, they're leaving out culture. Some actually, some Christians actually believe they're leaving out the word, but they're leaving out community. Like, it's what is obtainable here. So they pray when they come to church. When we sing, they sing, but that is not what it is. Do you sing at home? Your conviction of worship is not revealed when we gather. It is revealed when you are home. So here, they, you can be inspired by IBK and the music setup. But when you go home and you're not worshipping, it means that that personal revelation of worship has not seeped into your heart. So any practice that you need community to stimulate you to get into, but when you're alone, you can't get into it, you don't have the conviction for that. You only have the, the, the sense of it, but not the reality of it. So keep it in mind. One, the first one I said about conviction is that conviction, the verb, it cannot be concealed. It will always be revealed. So in your conversations, what do you believe? What are you saying? You know, there's, there's, a, there's a friend of ours, between Antochika and I, that sent a very nasty test to somebody. And he's supposed to be a pastor. The text was filled with a lot of curse and hate words. And Antochika was like, man, it was so embarrassing reading that text from a pastor. How would you use such words? The point is, at the end of the day, if your renewal is not aligning with your core, scriptures and Christ, everything will fall apart. The third thing about conviction, the third thing about conviction is that conviction is also, sometimes your transition from conviction to conviction is con will cause contradiction. Let me explain what it means. If you hear something today and it's, you don't, trust me, you can never build new conviction without contradiction. It's just that culture has somehow, we've been, we've, we think of contradiction, but there's something called positive contradiction because you awaken to who you are. Imagine being told, I, I, I gave a story of um, an eagle, all right, a lost egg. Um, mother hen found the eagle, took the eagle in, 
an eagle hatched and then lived with the chickens. Over time, she acquired their culture. She would struggle to feed from the crumbs on the ground. And one particular day, the mother eagle came by and just saw her. I was like, this is not the life you were meant to live. You're called to be, you're meant to live in the sky, not just struggle with the other chicken. And guess what she was doing poorly? Because chickens were designed to feed their, the shape of their pigs. Everything was actually designed. They were fashioned for life. Their legs, you know, chicken, they, they have like, um, they have like something, like there's a way they, if you, if you've killed one and helped it, you know, growing up, we used to do that. In fact, it was part of our rites of passage. If you cannot kill a chicken as a man, as a 13-year-old boy, you've not crossed and I killed not a few. <laughs> Just so you know. All right, so, but at the, at the end of the day, um, the, the point is, you chicken, they have that layer because we're meant to work on ground. If you look at the, 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 the chicken, the, the eagle, it's a different configuration. And so what did the mother do? The mother eagle grabbed her by the neck or whatever, took her up the sky, left her at high altitude. She started to fall. And then she suddenly, her mother was like, there is something in you. She said she flapped her wings, she flapped her wings, and then she discovered that there was flight built inside of her that she never used all her life. And in that moment, she, there was contradiction. Because why? The conviction, what she lived with was that she was a chicken. Now, she was being altered irrevocably in her mind by a new reality. And that changed her. So she woke up and she realized, after having lived life as a, a lie, now I've woken up to the truth of who you are. So guess what? Every contradiction will produce crisis sometimes. Every, and, and that crisis will help you grow. So don't always, some people, you, you, you're always safe because you don't want anything to challenge your convictions. But how will you grow? And how are you even sure that some of the things you believe about life are true? If they're not tested, they will never be your own. The fourth thing about conviction is sometimes convictions are built on concepts and not on reality. But the, 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 like Ayodele was talking about it here. So for instance, you know God, the Holy Spirit as a concept. So some people are like, oh, the Holy Spirit uh, is the third person of the Trinity, very powerful, no less a God than God. They can give you the description of the Holy Spirit. But if it's not a reality in your heart, you will never connect. So you can describe and quote all the scriptures that speak about the Holy Spirit. But guess what? In your heart, if you're not, if you're not, if you're not connecting at intimate level, you haven't understood it. Our convictions are not built on concepts, they are built on reality. So you also have to go through a process of, as you experience God, you're building convictions in worship. So why will I worship? I worship all the time. I love worship. Why? Because I know that I've crossed something. Worship is not a concept. It's a reality in my heart. God is not a concept. God is a reality. So people who think God is a concept, they can sit down there and be un unpacking God. And you know why? Because for them, the moment you taste and see that he's good, the moment you experience him, all your concepts will fade away. Even your concept of prayer, if your concept of prayer is about casting demons and fighting, you will miss out. So when you come into the reality of things, you realize that the Holy Spirit inspires prayers in different ways. The Holy Spirit can inspire you for a season of warfare. But most times, the Holy Spirit will inspire prayer as a conversation. So you don't say, are oh, you guys, oh, only conversation. Like the point is, let the Spirit give you the standard. Now, when you understand that for us, truth is the core of our conviction. Why? Because truth is not a proposition. Truth is a person. So Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So he introduced himself as truth. And that means, at the end of the day, when I meet people who believe that truth is relative, I can't have a conversation that easily. I know where to agree and disagree. Because why my conviction is not built on truth, as I cannot debate truth. I cannot legislate it. I cannot vote what is true. Because it is a person that you encounter, and it becomes a reality in your life. 
My prayer is that you would experience God. If your experience of God is not there yet, your convictions will just be shallow. So I'm going to point you to Acts 9, verse 1 to 9. There's something very interesting about Paul. Paul was on a mission to kill people. If Paul believed, he had the conviction that he was doing the right thing. He was so, he believed deeply. See, meanwhile, at this time, he was still his old nature, Saul. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest, keep going, and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Next. And he, and he neared Damascus. Why is it sounding like King James today? And he neared Damascus on his journey. Suddenly, a light from heaven flashed around him. Go on. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Saul thought he was on the, on the Lord's side. And his first, contract, his first experience with Christ proved that he was living a lie. You don't know how much of a lie you're living until you meet him. Christ did not come to confirm how right we were. He did not come to reinforce life as it is. He came to show us life as it should be. And the world is not normal. It is only usual. So the things you were born into and you are acquainted with, how sure are they helping you? The things you believe about money, the things you believe about money, everything, you're leaving out your convictions, so you have to prove it. Your convictions, you must interrogate them, you must investigate them, and understand that they align with your core. They must come to the person of Christ. So you know why some people can preach God and they don't understand love? It's because somewhere along the line, trust me, love is a movement that has not, Nigerians have not, it's not, it's not yet in us. God has been struggling for years to get it in. You know, God, I, I bet God has been struggling. Once I listen to the pastor, the pastor will say, today the love of God. But guess what? The scriptures had hell. Like, it's not like there's a problem with not mentioning hell. It's like hell for me is the absence of God's love. You don't need to die to go there. You can live here. So long as you've rejected that love, you're in hell. So heaven is, is acceptance of the love, regardless of where you are in your journey. All right? So again, love, our, we understand. You know why? People project their concept of God um, from their tradition into Christianity. So let me tell you what Americans did. Americans, uh, honestly, Americans actually Americanized the gospel. And I'll help you understand that. American is a very materialistic society. An average, an average American man likes to show. They are bold. So yeah, when, they, when the gospel came, or understand, the prosperity gospel blew up in America. The pastors bought private jets, not a few. Alright, and I know they were all on TBN. You understand? So somehow, God was in it because God needed to get the gospel. But some of those methods, God, were not, God was not in it. He had to just manage it. So I'll, when I talk about conviction and preference, you'll understand why sometimes the tension is your preference, not even your conviction. But guess what? When, when Nigerians stumbled on the gospel, we took the American version and Africanized it. So you know what? We took the, after we took that American gospel of prosperity, make me rich, now let me tell you, Americans, look at their, their, their tenets. You know what they said? In pursuit of liberty and happiness. Now what they mean is that your, 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 your purpose in life is to be happy. Like the, the entire constitution is structured to give you happiness. But a fallen man and a broken man cannot understand happiness. Because happiness is not a fruit of the spirit. Like, if, 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 see, the point is that nice, so when you use happiness as a standard for defining what is right by you, you will change with every feeling. 
like the, the day you feel right you do right the day you don't feel right just like babe i just feel like killing you right now like and like guns don't kill people people kill people because why they live out their conviction through the gun so it's not the one it's not the gun itself it's who is pulling the trigger his conviction is revealed in the trigger see the suicide rate incredible americans have one of the highest rate of suicide anywhere in the world why they are pursuing happiness how you need to understand that happiness is a byproduct of something not the main thing when you make happiness a means an end in itself you will get there you realize where is the happiness now you will you'll be so depressed so madonna wrote about something that she had this big performance where everybody was clapping to her madonna madonna they were celebrating her and she said something powerful she said i woke up the next morning feeling depressed and i was saying what is going on meaning and she said i needed another high because why? The human heart, what, is, what you're shaped with, can only be filled with God. If you try it with happiness, the next morning is like makeup. You need to put it on. You need to put it on. The Holy Spirit is not, you don't put him, like, it's not makeup, it doesn't wear off. It's always growing inside of you. So, we have it all twisted. So, when, when we took that, so in, in, in the American gospel was almost, there was no context of crisis. So Paul was talking about in Thessalonians, he said that see, even the conviction we had was, was revealed in suffering. It was like, so you know, in Nigeria here, Ayodele said, it was as though there was a deal when you get into God. God will take it off from here. Don't keep his own side of the deal. And you know, you wake up, you have a flat tire on Third Mainland Bridge. You said, my Lord. Yeah, and I prayed. You understand? So, you know, at the end of the day, because we don't understand that even God walks through the crisis. That honestly, I, Ferdinand, there are many things I would never stumble in God if it was all rosy. Trust me. Like, I don't think I'm that, I'm not that smart. I'm not that wise. God knew that he had to get my, pin me against the wall. And say, who are thou? Like, so, so, I am the Lord whom thou runnest up from. Because I was a runner. I used to think at church, all these things, like God had to pin me against the wall. I, so tribe is on one level is obedience for salvation. For, for God help us. Okay, let's get in now. You understand? So there was no plan. Obedience was the plan. We, there was no strategy on many levels. It was just running away from, because my mind had been inundated with a lot of things from culture and church. The many things I was seeing in church, I was like, this is a man's method. God is not in it. But men would take their method and make it a dogma. And many people live out the dogma of men and miss God. Many things that, were, that you're living out today as dogmas were proposed by men who could not understand the world in which we live. I don't know why God allows some of those things to exist. But think about it. Americanized gospel got, gets into Nigeria, we Africanized it. So Africans had a deep concept of God through what? Give me our African gods. Lushon, God smile at you. No, honestly, do you know, in the, in the ancient, okay, good. that's fresh, that's fresh. Okay, in, in, the ancient, in the ancient Greek world, they had um, some, yes, do you know, Zaina, like what, even our, people used to worship Apollo, God of the moon, you understand? There was, there was one of fertility, Delphine, I think, you know, Diana, it was Diana. So they had both. They are, trust me, their gods seem a little more palatable. No, but when you get into Africa, when you're a Madi or her, try it. Shongo, try it. Okuku. Sam, give us one. Are you, are, are quite, when you guys were born from birth. 
like they were already in Christ from the foundations of the world. But trust me, what played out was that we now started to project our, our concept of cultural gods on God. So the African man needed God to be tough. So when they go to church and you just preach love, they say, there's no power, please. Look for power. They don't understand power is in you. So they are, because why? You, you, your worldview about God is how you live. Look at the fanatics and the fundamentalists. Their concept of conviction is rooted in the understanding of God. So what is the revelation of God you have? If your conviction of God is not rooted in an accurate revelation of who he is, you miss him. So one guy wrote a book. Um, it was written by Jonathan Edwards. I think this was in the, in the 18th century. I don't know. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. No, that was a big book. I read it, guys. I read it. But trust me, you know, I, I read it then and I lived in fear. Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. He spoke about the wrath of God. How God was not, was not smiling. How God has come to reveal everything. You understand? It was only till last year one other pastor picked the same scripture. I know why he titled it. Sinners in the Hands of a Loving God. Now, it took 500 years to move from sinners in the hands of an angry God to sinners in the hands of... And trust me, that book has been bringing healing to people who have been in church for years because the fear of God cannot trans can transform you. It's a revelation of his love that transforms. The fear of God is not terror. The fear of God is reverence. And people have projected Amadioa on God. When they hear fear of God, they say, hey, are you afraid of... No, the point is, that's Amadioa. The fear of God, no, trust me, transforms. It's not, it doesn't destroy. It transforms. Everything God does, he does from a place of love. So when you look at the Old Testament, we talk about it here. The Old Testament is a shadow. When you look at Egypt, it wasn't God destroying Egypt. God was speaking of a nature that would drown in our baptism and will come alive in the new, in the promised land. So Egypt was not your story to go and say, this God there, see, see the way they are wasting life. No, it's not your story. The context of that world cannot understand civilization. The civilization then that they lived in, you guys read the Bible without context. I, I, I ran into one guy that was telling me once, how can you justify genocide in the Bible? How can you just, just justify? Now, they are there. You see, so far the Assyrians not a night to live. You understand? No, wipe out not a few. Leave it. Like, but why? You cannot understand those scriptures without going into the context and the civilization of that day to get a clearer picture when you go into the civilization, do you know how, do you know how men used to, used to, do you know walk and was war? People live to go to war. In these days, I know if somebody would have taken off a McFoy, like, who is going to battle? Get some, who is going to battle? Just like, um, we're civilized. But back in, I don't think math would even make it through the list. In fact, there was a day they recruited more than enough people for battle. And this battle, you know, the battle was not, it wasn't gone killing you softly. It was spare and jabbed, like the, the war was raw. They are coming at you, oh, they will pierce here, pierce here. And guess what? God told them, I don't need this crowd. Though. Men have signed up to die. And the, the test was now, let's see how you can drink water. Like, they, they, were, they were already like, we are going to war today. God said, drink water first. Let's see. Let's, like, downsize it into 300. Those going home were upset that they didn't make the list. It's like, it's like you writing jam and not getting to school. And there's those, those 300 going into battle, they may not come back alive. There was conviction then. What is missing now? Think about it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What's the quality of their conviction? 
they told them that, you know, they said, oh, king, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. Like, if we die, we die. Some people, only, only lighter, they just, <laughs> the Lord is my friend. <laughs> like, see, 88 people were kidnapped. All right? Was it 88 ladies, girls? Um, the second round of kidnapping or third round. They returned 70-something. Only one was kept, held back. You know why she was held back? She refused to deny God. They said, renounce him. She said, no. The other, the other people could very well be living with the concept. If you experience God and you put a gun to your head, you cannot deny him. Conviction is not something we live for. It's something we're also willing to die for. If your conviction is not something you're willing to die for, think about it again. It might just be not the deep one, the shallow one. Then think about it. Joseph, if they test you, Joseph, now do you have the conviction to go through a night with Potiphar's wife? Now let me even give a picture of Potiphar's wife, guys. Let me give a picture. She will learn work right there. But let me give a picture. Potiphar's wife was, Potiphar was one of the top officials. And I, I had this one, I didn't read it to. I just had a theory. This is the theory. The theory was, usually the king used to have, they have to have beauty contests for the king to choose a wife. So all the beautiful girls in town would come and line up. The king would choose the best. And his men would go for the rest. So if that was how Potiphar found Mrs. Potiphar, she would not be looking lovely. Because she made the list. Alright, so, now, now guess what? Joseph, one night, found himself the chief servant of all them. This was a guy that was in the pit a while back. So one day you wake up and realize, I just arrived here and God made me the chief servant. The Lord must love me. You're, you're coming from a you're Jew, nothing for you. And you're now the chief. You just tell, hey slave, please close that door. Um, have you washed the other car? Um, what about you? I told you not to drop that bottle like that. So Joseph was really having fun doing that. And guess what? The, the icing on the cake was Mrs. Potiphar. You know, and you know what he told her? Ah, I cannot do this. He wasn't talking about Potiphar. If you read it, he wasn't even saying, ah, Potiphar has tried for me. He made me the chief servant. Me, I don't even have background. He made me chief servant. You know what he was saying? I can't do this thing against my God. He had experienced something that he could not unexperience. He had seen something that he could not unsee. If you experience him, eh, concept will drown. Reality will appear. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.